right, welcome everybody. It is episode 63, Hot Take from the Kitchen. It is the last day of September. And our guest tonight is Tom Behrman, the principal at AHS. So welcome, Tom. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Super stoked. Yeah. Great guest. Hey, I wanted to just realize something. How do you feel about uh, knowing that probably a year from now we'll be close to 100, if not over 100? I think it's pretty cool. That's like a mythical podcast number. You, I mean, you're you're a pod listener, so you can understand, appreciate the 100th episode. That's a big deal. Yeah. Mm. 30 was our goal, and we surpassed it. Blew by that. Yeah. So I have to think about who we want as our guest for number 100. Should have a celebration of everybody. Shirt and tie, black tie affair. <laughs> Man, I, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be against that. The problem is, I mean, obviously, that's a lot of guests. I mean, we've had some repeats, which helps. But, man, it would be a tough episode to pull through. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I've always thought it would be kind of cool to do like a – a multi-part. Yeah, so. almost like um, – I forgot who it was where there's a um, – you kind of like – I would put you up there, and then I'd make a ding-door. Like, I'd make your door ding-dong. I'd add a ding-dong sound effect, and I'd bring each person. Like, I would not <laughs> tell you who they are. And I was just bringing in people one at a time. I'm sitting like 15 minutes, seven in front of you. And have them come in the front door, yeah, say hi. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like, ding dong. And then just have them sit down, ding dong. And then have them sit down, you know what I mean? It's an idea. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not against it. So. Oh, I like it. It's a nice idea. It's still farther down the road. So, All right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And we have two emails this week. And they're both from Karen Grahusky. Do the newest one first. Right. Sorry if I'm <laughs> difficult. I just think it's easier because I don't want it to get lost. What You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And this was just sent a little bit ago because I was with Karen and our friend Anna because it is Anna's birthday. So happy birthday, Anna. Happy birthday, Anna. And this is via Anna, but sent from Karen. And she said, just wanted to take a minute to wish you a happy International Podcast Day. Have a great week, Karen. So it is International Podcast Day today. How Cool that we're doing a podcast on International Podcast Day. Fun fact, I didn't know that. I didn't either until... Tom tipped me off on Twitter. Really? I think this year might be the year you jump on Twitter. Uh Uh-oh. No. No? Maybe Uh, for show 200. Maybe 500. 500. 500. Holy cow. Things have been raised. That's Simmons-esque. Yeah, I like it. Twitter, I don't know. We'll see. All right. We'll move on to our second email from Karen. This was sent yesterday. Yeah. And she said, hey, guys, not sure if you'd be willing to share this curling news slash events with your listeners, but can figure, pass it on just in case. Hope you have a great week and keep up the great work, Karen. And this is an email from the Thunder Bay Curling Club. And she says, and it says, hello, prospective curler. We wanted to update you on what is happening regarding curling in Alpena. A small group has been busy getting things moving. The state of Michigan has approved Thunder Bay Curling Club 
as a corporation and assigned us an EIN so that we can open a bank account. They're waiting for the IRS to determine our 501c3 status. Perhaps the biggest news is that we've received a generous grant from the Youth and Recreation Committee to pay for ice time during the 2020 calendar year. This is great news as our membership dues will now be able to be used to pay for necessary equipment. Membership costs have not been decided at this point and will depend on the number of people curling. Flyer is attached to this email with more information about our October 19th slash 20th Learn to Curl. Brett Jackson of the Detroit Curling Club and his, and his team will be here to share their expertise. Brett is a level one and level two certified instructor. In December, there will be a mini session which will take place Sundays, December 2nd, 9th, 16th, and 23rd at three o'clock. Cost of the season or session, I'm guessing, will be $50, providing we have, an, have at least 24 curlers sign up. If there are more, we will look at having a second draw at five-ish. You can sign up for mini season now by emailing Voidadeb, that's W-O-J-D-A-D-E-B at gmail.com. Please let us know if you have a person or people you'd prefer on your team. It is necessary to have a prearranged, it is unnecessary to have a prearranged team. We will match people up. Stay tuned for more information as things progress. Feel free to forward this email to others who might be interested. The Thunder Bay Curl Club. I guess we can attach a flyer if we want in the show notes. Show notes. Probably could do that. So, how's our emails? How do you feel about curling, Brad? <laughs> I like watching curling on TV. I do every four years. I don't know if I want to do it because it's cold, and I hate the cold. I don't like the. And I'd be afraid of falling on my butt. I think the same thing every time I watch curling, and that is the flexibility that they have to have in their hips to be able to get those low and to be able to do this while they can do. That is not my forte. I can be honest with you both right now, but it does. I mean, I'm interested in it. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought it'd be cool to do, but I don't know if I want to do a season of it. <laughs> no, that's a commitment. Matt Mashinsky asked me if I wanted to do the Austin Brothers Cornhole League this winter. He's like, it's outside. I'm like, that doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me is having to be there every Sunday. That's the hardest part. <laughs> because, I mean, just there's different things that go on, and I don't know if I could be there every Sunday. I'm like, if... If I can just come when I can make it and I have nothing going on, then yeah, I'm in. But if I have to be there 12 Sundays during the winter, it's just not going to happen. It's pointless. So and Those bags get wet and freeze and it's just smacking on the board. Have you been there for it? No. Oh. I have a set in my garage and the bags got wet and they were just hard as a rock. Interesting. Yeah. So You didn't bring it into bed with you and no. warm it up? and No. Okay. Throw the microwave. Yeah, there you go. On your back to warm you up there. <laughs> that would work. It's cold in here. I turned my heat on yesterday. It was freezing. All right. We will move on to the CVB Great Lakes Sanctuary of the Great Lakes trivia question. And we didn't ask one last week. So this is a brand new question. And this week's question is, what was originally located where the State Theater is now? Not sure if we asked that question already. We haven't. That's a great question. Yeah. 
I don't know the answer to that. I'm a newbie. Yeah. This is only the third year I've been here, so I don't. It's not fair. I don't know. I don't have any of that local trivia down yet. Mm. A true transplant. Mm. Wow. No, that's why I wrote the answer either. So. I'm gonna guess a horse stable. <laughs> no. All right. Fair enough. Well, I guessed though. You did. You gave yeah. a shot. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll move on to the height. Hot take topics. And we'll go with Vontez Burfings as the first topic. He was suspended for the whole year for a illegal late hit yesterday. Did yes. you see the hit? Yes. Yeah. And he should be suspended for a while. Because <laughs> he launched at the guy pretty much. As the guy was on the ground. Yeah. He's on. crazy. He is. But I guess he's going to appeal. I think here's the problem with someone like him, right? Is I'm not standing up for him by any stretch of imagination, but he obviously plays with an edge. And I think for someone like him, for him to play the way they want him to play, I think he loses that edge. You know, and it's unfortunate because I think if he doesn't play with that edge, he's probably sitting with us at this kitchen table, not playing football, making millions of dollars. But he's not making millions of dollars now anyway. So, but um, now after, I guess that's just my only thing. My only problem with it, I guess, to a, to a point. You have to play with an edge to play the game of football, mm-hmm. you know. But you have to, it's it's control. Yeah, you know, football is a is a sport of violent violent collisions, but it's a controlled violent collision. Once you once you go outside that circle of control, um, it gets away from you. And and, and, the, and the the suspension is because of repeated. It's not the first time. Yeah. So. You know, you any any good football player will tell you that football is a violent, violent sport, but it has to be played with a level of control and a level of respect for your opponent. And what I saw yesterday is not any of that. He doesn't have any respect. Nothing. No value of worrying about whether he's going to hurt someone or not. That's for certain. He obviously doesn't care about himself either if he's leading with the helmet. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know. I mean, if you want to lead with the helmet – Hit the guy in the chest. He would have been all right, but go head to head. Whatever. And this is the guy who some people are blaming for Antonio Brown's actions. <laughs> Which one? Playoff. From <laughs> the hit in the playoffs a couple years ago, but that's just speculation. All right. Topic number two. The Flintstones premiered on this day in 1960. An iconic cartoon. That's cool. (laughs) 59 years old, whatever. Yeah. It was in prime time. Interesting. Premiered on ABC. I believe, wasn't the Flintstones the first show in which a married couple were in the same bed? I think that the first prime time show, and it was a cartoon. Wow. Trendsetters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which cartoons can get away with things. Yeah. yeah. I saw we've seen with South Park and Family Guy and Robot <laughs> Chicken. And- <laughs> <laughs> they get away with a lot. All right. I guess we'll move on to topic three. And there's going to be a presidential impeachment inquiry, investigation, whatever. I mean, we probably saw this coming. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much you want me to go into it. 
they were going to find something to, to try to peach this guy with. To guarantee that. Oh, we knew, we yeah. knew that. They were going to... They were like a dog that just was not going to stop doing what they were. I mean, it doesn't matter. They were talking about impeachment since day one. You know how I feel about it. I'm President Trump. So, like, I'm with you. I'm emboldened. I'm undefeated by this whole action just because I want him to go away and this is not going to make him go away. No. And I've seen people say that this is just going to lead to this reelection. It's not going to hurt him, put it that way. If anything, it's going to help him. Oh, yeah. Because I can just see that dingbat standing on the podium like, oh, they came after me. Look at me. I'm still here. I think it's going to be a President Clinton thing where he'll be impeached by the House, but then the Senate won't go through with it. I like it. Well, but, but here's the other thing, too, that's part of this is, is you know, they, there was an article that came out that said that if it was a secret, secret impeachment vote where it wasn't public record, uh, 30 Republican senators said they would vote yes for impeachment. Problem is, is that the impeachment, or they would vote yes for removal in the Senate, not impeachment, but once the removal. But it's an open election. It's an open vote. So you have, you know, people keep saying, you know, Lindsey Graham is a prime example. Why is Lindsey Graham so verbally pro-President Trump? Well, if you look at where, what, where Lindsey Graham represents, and then you look at the demographics of the Trump supporters, he is deep in the heart of Trump country. And if he is anti-Trump, he's cutting his nose off to spite his face. Mm -hmm. So it's pure survival mode right now for some of these Republican senators where they're like, they know they can't openly vote for removal because then it's in public record. Um, but then the Democrats want that because then when it comes up to your Senate election races, they can hold it out and say this person voted against removing President Trump, and so it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, I took. I have a, a survey that came in the mail, and I really wanted to fill it out. And I started filling it out, and I got about halfway through it, and I just gave up <laughs> because the questions are so biased. I almost wanted to bring it on the pod and read it, but I didn't know how Tom would feel about it. And I just was like, to read these questions, they were like. How do you feel about the Democratic agenda to, to like, kill senior citizens? <laughs> like, first of all, where did that even come from? Nobody wants to kill senior citizens. And what does that even have to do with the Democrat? I mean, those were the questions. Or, like, how do you feel about President Trump wanting to protect our nation's veterans? Well, no shit, Sherlock. I mean, like, that's got to be the dumbest question I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, like... What are, you, what are you supposed to do? Oh, no, I don't care about veterans. Let's check the box and move on. I mean, like, it just was like these questions are so ridiculous that it takes any type of – I mean, I wanted to be – I wanted to put my 50 cents into this and try to feel like I'm influencing some type of change and helping the system out, but I just gave up. And, and I was going to take a picture of it and post it and, like, look at this junk, but then I knew what I was setting myself up for. It would just be this – <laughs> it's fine alright I'm glad you brought it up I feel a little better good alright next topic the Lions and Michigan had big games over the weekend Michigan won the Lions lost I think we all knew going into this weekend that Michigan was going to win oh yeah, yeah. yeah. actually their head coach this job <laughs> I didn't watch the game but no from what I Heard and saw they looked pretty impressive. So 
52 to nothing's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, we talked about this last week. They're nowhere near as bad as they looked against Wisconsin. And if Wisconsin beat Ohio State here in two weeks or whatever it is, then all of a sudden you really start reevaluating the whole thing. And, you know, and Michigan might get an opportunity to play Wisconsin, and you don't know what's going to happen. But Michigan could be bad. And they could. And and this uh, Rutgers is not a good team. Let's be real about that, first of all. So, like, again, you have just as much of a difficult time figuring out Michigan from this victory as you did the previous week's loss because the team they played. We're really bad, so I mean, you just don't know. I mean, they were, but the Lions look good yesterday. I mean, the the Lions were a carry on Johnson, their arms stretch away from winning that game. He doesn't stretch that ball out to knock it loose and fumble with the Lions win that game, or not play man coverage, double a tight end with an athletic quarterback on fourth and eight. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a football guy. I was a defensive coach, and one thing you don't do is play man coverage, double double team a tight end with a mobile quarterback on fourth and eight. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I can understand the logic in it, but, I mean, Mahomes is definitely – He's not your average NFL player. No, not 100%. And when – and any time he decided he was going to tuck it, it was 15 yards at the time. He was just like galloping down the field. I was seeing his back. I felt like I was watching the Packers for a while because I've seen we've seen Aaron Rodgers do that to it so much, just running down the field and then just running out of bounds. They're still on that. They're still on pace with the Super Bowl. They are. It's it was a good loss. If there is such a thing, yes. I just I like to always start with us instead of. Giving them seven, we score seven. That's a fourteen point swing, right there. So like, everything's moved after that point. Just hang on to the flipping ball. But I mean, nobody could hang on to the ball in the third quarter. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, all right. This next topic is sort of just. Have you guys ever heard of Edge Cities? No. This is something that you learn on vacation because I want to yes. talk about it. Yes. All right. So go ahead. Well, maybe Tom has. Have you? I have, what is it? An edge city. I have not, but once you describe it, I'll probably know it. All right. Well, looking at this picture, how many people do you think would live there? I have no idea. Uh, Two million? No. There are 19,000 people that live here. It is an edge city called Tyson's Corner and is part of the D.C. metropolitan area, but they make it like a downtown, and all these businesses have their headquarters there. It's just nobody weird. lives there. <laughs> yeah, all these big buildings, and twenty thousand people live there. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I can see that. But it just so does that upset you? Is that what? You're... No, it just kind of blew my mind. Like you have these big buildings, and you think it'd be massive area but it's just those are also the places that have nowhere to eat at dinner or nothing to there. yeah it's all like it, lunchtime it clears out at yeah. five o'clock so yeah. population is probably half a million during the day yeah. and then at five o'clock it's probably nineteen thousand. so you brought it up that's great i like it but i want to get talked about what people want to know that's let's nice. talk about your vacation so you on your own went to Washington D.C. Yes, on my own. So, what was the worst part about your vacation? I enjoyed all my vacation. I think 
the walking leading to the blisters. Is the worst <laughs> your thing. mom has taught me about your blisters. You have Antonio Brown's feet now. Well, no, but I mean they're big blisters. Yes, that's nothing I can't live through. Okay, but got him at the zoo. I they started Thursday on my right foot, and it just grew from there. And then my left foot was probably Saturday. I find this really interesting for a whole bunch of reasons, but primarily you're a runner yes. who spent a lot of time on his feet. I think it might have been my socks. Your socks. Yes. I just I found it interesting you got blisters just because, like I said, you. I could understand like Allison getting blisters because she just, you know. Yes. But I mean, you've you've ran. I probably wore the wrong socks for two days. All right. Would you wear like thick, heavy wool socks or your cotton? Socks. Do you wear knee highs? No. Tube were, socks. There were no shoes. No shoes. So you're trying to be cool. Yeah. I wanted to be comfortable because it was sunny and 90 every day. It was so gorgeous. So what was your favorite part of the I was asked this earlier and I just, I couldn't pick anything. There's either, there was the art museums that I loved. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing all these old art things. And there was a cup from the, First, second, second BC. Mm-hmm. Just all these old things and all this history. And so I have. I'm carrying a message with me from your your people. You have a following, and they have sent me forward to relay a message to you of kindness, like feedback. As we have talked about, feedback's a gift. So the people would like maybe a couple captions along with some of these pictures, so they know what they're looking at. <laughs> that's fine just like here just a, just a splotch here there just, I, I understand because as a person that's uploaded 200 photos at a time I'd know what you were looking at and I said well he might have some time over the next couple of weeks that he can get in there and kind of pick away at it I go so I'm just merely giving some feedback to you it would be greatly appreciated a lot of people love your photos I've heard numerous times that's amazing I love Brad's photos we just don't have any idea what's going on. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. So I was like, no, that's I, I. So I'm just passing along. I told him, I think that's something that bracket group together a couple and just put some random tidbits. And I thought that, you. but the, the upside that is you have a lot of people that were watching. You had a lot of eyes on you Yeah. because I, I've heard that a lot. So and they're like, man, I just, like, well, we just don't want, I'm like, I'll say something to them. Why are they going to you though? Well, I mean, you know, they, I understand that. I understand. I mean, like, so, but that's what it is. If I would have had time, I As you're probably would have added more captions, but I was tired. Well, and, and I just wanted to get those out. I guarantee you most of the majority of the people who have said that have never tried to upload 300 photos at a time or over a couple days. Well, no, because you got to do 30 at a time on Facebook. So it's it, is, it is an extremely difficult process. I could, It's time consuming. Yes, it is. I didn't even finish my summer photo dump. That was 450 photos. I got to 70 and I quit <laughs> because I was like, I'm done with this. I don't have, I don't have time. I don't have photos. And, and I, and I wanted to do that. It's like, there are random pictures where I feel like they need a little bit of explanation. You just can't look at it and go, wow, what's going on here? There's some goofy photos of us where people might look at it and be like, well, what in the hell is Stephen Brad doing in there? And I just feel like they need explanation. This is Stephen Brad. We're helping out our friend do something or blah, blah, blah. You know, like anyways, when I get time, I'll I'll have some captions. That's that's uh, people want to go through and like the pictures they want captions on. 
How about they just don't like every... How about maybe they unlike it? So that way you can go through and see. Or put the angry face on Yeah, the angry face. Yeah. That way you have an identifier. Like, that can hey. work and then they can go back and... Yeah, so unlike, once you've identified, do that. I think, I like this. I think we have a thing here. Or the crying emoji. Yeah, the cry, just something, something not positive. Yeah. Something where you go, <laughs> what is going on here? Why don't you like this photo? You explain and then they go back through and change it. All right, we could do that. All right. I think this is great. And this I'll is do my best to remember. All right. <laughs> well, this is not an easy thing. You have no. you have two hundred photos there. This is not something that's gonna I mean, you're a busy guy. We have a busy week ahead of us, so like this yeah. isn't something that you're gonna get through. No. Hopefully maybe in the month of October type of thing. So maybe. Let's yeah. hope. Hopefully. That's all I got. My main hot take was that I wanted the people to listen to you about your DC trip and anything else you want to talk about. I it was the best trip I've taken. Would you, would you move to Washington DC? No, I probably would. I liked it down there a lot. Can you run for city council? We could write you in, and that could be your start. No. Okay. Well, Have you I'm ever been to Washington DC in July? No, you might change. This is my name. first time. <laughs> this is my first time. I heard it's miserable. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. It's a swamp. Yeah. Literally, they built Washington D.C. in a swamp. So if you think about what the humidity levels are like a swamp, that's D.C. It's amazing. I can't wait to go. But I'm alright with it. Yeah. Because I grew up in Louisiana. For oh well, there. Oh, I lived in you know I lived in North Carolina. It was fine. I was watching the race yesterday, the NASCAR race yesterday. It was in Charlotte. I used to live in Charlotte. It was 95 degrees yesterday, and I said I do not miss living down there in September and October. Because you're ready for fall, but it's still blazing hot. And that's how D.C. is. We have some friends that opened a new store down further south. And they are in the point where they have a whole bunch of fall accessories into their store. And they want to sell them. But it is 90 degrees yeah. now. And people aren't. Your, your body naturally doesn't think, wow, it's time to get pumpkins and orange stuff out. You're like, man, it's still summer. It's 90 degrees out. So. Something they're fighting there a little bit. Yeah. I enjoyed this whole You got three minutes left before I'm going to end this segment. You want anything else? Mm. What, okay. Let me ask you one more thing. Right. When's your next vacation? Where are you going to go? It'll probably be next year. I've got a couple places in mind. Oh, spill it. I want to hear it. I'd like to go to Boston. Yep. Philly. Or even thought Miami. I like the idea of you in South Beach. <laughs> I don't, but I've always wanted to go to Miami. Have you ever been to South Beach, Tom? I've never been. So, Daytona. Yeah. That's, that's the only place. Well, other than Orlando when I was like seven. Uh, the only only feedback I had from South Beach was Annie Lab told me that everything that's wrong with humanity is at South Beach. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like the idea of you and me down there and being a part of that. like. You know, muscle-bound guys, fake boobs, just you and Tan, like just the whole thing. Maybe we can get you outside the Cleveland so you could sit there at the Levitar show. Maybe that would be a that possibility. Be I mean, I got a buddy from college who lives down there. I mean, I like that. I mean, they're all great places. I don't think you can go wrong with anything. I just I might add something to my list. And we'll yeah. see. I mean, I, I think our viewer, listeners, and people on your Facebook that saw it, I, they enjoy this. So I think... You know, me prying it out of you, I think people get excited about it. So I, I don't mind pulling this out of you and everything goes along with it. We'll see. I told your mom today. I'm up to suggestions. I, that's a great, and that's kind of where I'm going with this. But I told your mom today that um, 
as we have a meeting this week with Shelly, and I said that if there's any point that Brad gets to talk in front of a class full of children, that's going to happen. I because did it for a couple of years. I know you did. And then I was like, I just like the idea of like going up there and just booting you out there and just letting you go with it. So, um, Sure. Well, and, homecoming's the next week, so if you want to come to the assembly and uh, entertain uh, 1,200 high school kids, <laughs> the invitation's there. Uh, it may be pushing. <laughs> I mean, I'm gone, but you could figure this out. No, I couldn't. Yeah, you could do anything you put your mind to. All right. So we're going to end this segment, and then we'll get back to more serious things. I'm sorry I put you through that, but I'm really happy. You should know that. I think people find that. And I want you to know that people really enjoy you doing taking that vacation. I think it's important for you to understand that. Because I know you were uncomfortable with it. There was some apprehension involved. You got outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And I did some things that I never would have done. Yeah. And I just, I think the whole thing was amazing. And I just want this to be the little sun, cherry on top of that amazing Sunday for you to know that you were very much supported by people away while you're gone. Yes. Okay. All right, on that note, we'll come back and we'll talk with Todd. So our, can we say studio? Yeah. I've been listening to just enough other pods and like um, YouTube channels that I'm used to the word studio now. It's like getting into my head. Kind of weird. Um, our guest today is Thomas Behrman. Yeah. So... Um, you just revealed you've been in a community for three years. Mm -hmm. So that's quick, quick age you met 2016, right? Yep. Um, what, what, let's go all the way back. Where are you from? Uh, born and raised in Lansing. Okay. I uh, went to school, uh, with high school in Lansing and then, uh, went to Lake Superior State for a year. Uh, graduated, went there for one year and then went back to Lansing to LCC for a year and then transferred back to Lake State and finished what I started and graduated from Lake State. Did my student teaching in the Sioux with Coast Hockey. And then um, moved back to Lansing Air, was hired right out of uh, college at Lansing Everett, home of Magic Johnson. Yeah. Or Magic Quinn. And then um, was there for a year, was laid off. Uh, it was uh, early 2000s, right when the uh, issues were hitting, starting to hit the city of Lansing and budgets with teaching and stuff like that. Um, subbed for a year, couldn't get a full-time job, and my wife and I decided to move to North Carolina. So we lived in North Carolina for eight years. I uh, taught every social studies subject you can possibly imagine. Uh, advanced placement classes, regular classes, college prep classes, government, econ, U.S. history, world history, psych, sociology, current events, just did the, the gauntlet. Uh, got my master's degree in administration. Uh, went into it as an assistant principal curriculum director at an alternative school. So what's similar to what we have here in Alpine called ACES was that equivalent. Did that for a year, and then I was hired um, at Byron Center Charter School for as their principal superintendent. It was a K-12 school, so like kindergartners through seniors, about 270 kids in the building. I was there for three years, and then the, the uh, journey that was the, the road to Alpena started, and uh, eventually um, was a finalist. I was supposed to have two finalist interviews on the same day. Uh, in the morning, I was in Alpena, and in the afternoon, I was supposed to be at uh, Fenville, mm -hmm. which is down just outside of Allegan, where I was living. Um, Came up here for the final interview, and they hired me on the spot. Um, so the, the funny story about about this job was I applied for it the first time it was posted. I had an interview up here in the afternoon, and then um, we had a, an issue in my building where we had an emergency meeting with uh, Grand Valley's Churchill office. 
to start planning for how we were going to implement the new reading law because it went into effect with the kindergartners that were coming in to get them ready that are now this year's third graders that are taking the, the assessment that will determine their future. And then, um, so I couldn't come up here. And so I had to call up here and say, I can't make it. I can't justifiably leave my current position to come up here. And they said, thank you. And then it was reposted and I applied and ended up here. So this is my, my third year here at the high school. Awesome. Um, and then you just jumped right in as the principal? Yep. Yep. Jumped right in. I was lucky. You know, um, it was really a good situation to come into as, as a leader. Um, you know, Mr. Poli, who was there before me, had done a, a spectacular job of, of laying the, the framework for what the building was. Uh, coming in, we had uh, a, a solid administrative team. Uh, new dean coming in that year, but the administrators were both returning with uh, Mr. Baraj and Ms. Hitchcock. And just kind of rolled with it and, and rolled through that first year and, and, and saw some great things. And then um, the administrative team changed. Um, we had a new dean. We had a new assistant principal. And then um, from there, we've just kind of started making some wholesale, not necessarily massive changes, but some small things for the culture and things of like that in the building and um, just improving what we can um, with Alpena High School. It's a great building. It's always been a great school, great, great kids, great teachers. Um, we just kind of have made some small, uh, some small changes throughout the course of the last three years. Uh, my, my mentor, when I was in North Carolina, the advice she always gave me was when you come into a new school, you know, don't come in and try to change everything. Mm -hmm. you know, come in and change what needs to be changed. Um, and then start taking mental notes of what you think needs to be changed and then start in year two, implementing some of these changes. And, um, we're in year three and, and we've, we've made some wholesale changes as far as uh, school culture, mm -hmm. um, changed some things around, you know, we had the acronym power, which was our, our uh, positive behavior intervention strategy. And we've transitioned away from that and, and we've kind of put the, the ball back into the court of the staff as to how they want to proceed with that. And we came up with, um, what we call wildcat Gur, and it's a wildcat, a possession of what wildcats possess. So grit, integrity, respect, and responsibility. They came up with those words, and that was one of the staff members that said at the very end of the meeting, said, if you rearrange that, it makes Gur, which is interesting, being our mascot is a wildcat, and it just kind of fits. And so we're just really looking at relationships and how we can build relationships with kids and how we can have some meaningful conversations with kids. And, um, you know, when, when the three of us were in school, you know, we went to school through that punitive culture where we made a mistake black and white handbook said this is what happens and that's what happened and as we know with the criminal justice system that stuff just doesn't work and so we've changed some things this year with some more restorative having some conversations with kids um for example um vaping is a massive issue in our building um we've, we've already had some situations where kids have been caught with it and they get their two days they get two days out of school for it when they come back our new student support facilitator actually has what we call a re-entry meeting now with the parent and the student and him, and they talk about what happened, how we can fix that, how can we proceed, what can we do to support them. And so it's really more of a, um, it's not that we're not punishing the kids, there's still that punitive aspect of it, but it's how do we respond now? In the old days it was, you got suspended two days, you came back and just picked up where you left it, well, chances are that person's gonna repeat. Mm -hmm. So now we're just kind of changing some of that and having some of those dialogues with our kids and um, really building relationships and starting the framework of what we do is relationships. That's fascinating to me. It's like, <clears throat> I mean, me growing up and looking back 
I don't ever remember having much of a relationship with any administrator. Um, teachers obviously mm-hmm. are able to form relationships with students. Um, but it's interesting to me that that's carried on through, um, it seems like super important. Like it just seems like it makes sense. Whereas I, I don't, as you said, I just don't think that it was in place historically. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially in our, at least in our community. Um, so I, have like loose interaction with you, like through a different couple of social media channels and just, uh, but I seem to really like a lot of what you believe and how you uh, work with staff. And it seems like you do at least, I mean, I don't know, I don't work. I'm not a teacher, so I'm not there, but um, you seem to do a really good job of championing the teachers as well. I mean, I, I don't, I have some friends and that have, are administrators and I don't, uh, I'm not trying to put them on blast or anything. None of them are in this area, and I think most of this sort doesn't really matter. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but um, they don't seem to be doing the things you're doing, at least from what I see. Um, that obviously must be important to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, teachers, well, in, in a couple areas, um, you have to take care of, of – the people that that are working around you, you know, I don't, I don't. The, the term that makes me cringe is when I walk around a building and, and a, uh, a teacher introduces me to their kids as my boss, or, or they call boss, and, and and I know that's just the nature of what the position is, but I don't really believe that that's what my role is. Uh, you know, my my leadership style is 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 a servant leadership. I, I feel that I'm there to provide support to our staff so that their job's easy. Um, I want our teachers to feel like they can, when that bell rings, that they can teach and, and a lot of the other things that, that plague them on a day-to-day basis that we kind of take care of. Um, and that just means that my plate is consistently full mm-hmm. and that's okay. Cause that's what I'm there for. Right. Uh, I, our teachers have enough on to do as it begins with, you know, to begin with, um, our teachers are more social workers and counselors than they are academics these days. And, and that's really what our role is as administrators. You know, we're a team and we're only as good as, as the weakest link within our, our, our squad. And, and that's how we view ourselves as one big team. And, and our teachers are, are, are amazing. You know, our teachers at Alpena High School work hard every day and all of APS. But um, we have great teachers and, and they deserve to feel supported and they deserve to feel that they have people behind them that are there their best interests in mind. And, and, and that's really the first thing that I started in year two was, was using the term accountability. And that was across the board from, from my position down all the way to uh, the students, is that everybody's accountable. I mean, we're all here for a reason, and we hold each other accountable. And, and the staff is starting to understand that that doesn't necessarily mean anything bad. It just means that we have a job, and we have to get it done. And sometimes that means having difficult conversations. But that also means sometimes we have to show praise when praise is due. Mm-hmm. And, and our staff is, is vital to what we do. And we're going to have a teacher shortage coming up here. I was just that's yeah. where I was headed with this. It, right? It's a problem. Yeah. It's a massive problem. And so, you know, you have to take care of the teachers you have because, you know, it's not like, you know, when I went to, when I worked uh, in college, I worked at a grocery store right across the street from Michigan State. And you want to talk about a surplus of employees. When you run a grocery store that pays a minimum wage on a campus of 26,000 18 to 22 year olds. There's not a shortage of cashiers or baggers or people like that. This is not the case. You know, we don't. This is not a, a limited skill job. This is a skill job that requires uh, a very diverse personality to do. And, and we don't have a ton of people to pick from. 
And, and people will do more than you ask them to do if they feel appreciated. And, and that's really kind of the mantra that, that our administrative team takes is that we have to make sure we're showing our, t- our staff appreciation um, because they're asked to do so much. Yeah. Um, I saw that made me think of something I saw today on, I was uh, checked in my daily LinkedIn and checked in and said, in order to lead, you must serve. Mm-hmm. And um, you just, you know, you hit that out of the park with what you just said. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think being able to, it's something my boss, uh, I think, does extremely well is that he really tries to, you know, if he takes care of us, we're going to take care of the customers, for lack of a better term. And um, I think, you know, we don't always do it perfectly. I mean, we're, we're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. as ever. It's human. But, um, yeah. So is the teacher shortage an Alpena-related issue? Is it a Michigan-related issue? Or is it a nationwide issue? Or is it all the above? Well, um, it's all the above. To, to some extent, um, you know, as I have some experience in different states, um, you know, when we moved to North Carolina, they were openly, the state of North Carolina was openly recruiting teachers from other states because at that time it was the opposite in Michigan. There was, there was more teachers being reproduced than positions available. Mm-hmm. Now it's the other way around. Schools are, you know, um, Justin Glusing, who was our assistant superintendent that has recently gone to Grayling, um, you know, he was telling us that he would consistently every year go to these job fairs. And the last one he went to in the capacity of Alpena, there was, it was just there was nobody there. And we're talking about Michigan State and Central, these of the bigger teaching schools in the state. Kids are not going into education. They're not seeing the value placed on the, on the profession. And they're not, they're not seeing the finances. If you're going to go through, you know, education, teaching is a very unique job because we're required to have a certification and then we're required to keep that up and then we're required on top of that to advance our certification to get uh, master's level courses at our own expense so i mean imagine any other job you go to you know where if you want to get advanced training in your position what usually happens the company would usually pay that pay for you to do that where in education they say you have to do this but we're not going to give you any type of reimbursement for that Man, do I feel that. <laughs> he touched me in that. And so that's what we're going into. You know, when you look at the areas where we're the most short is math and science. And anybody who's interested in math and science, why would they go into education when they can go into engineering or they can go into any other field of study that's going to pay for that degree? You know, my nephew is an engineer and they pay for his master's. He works for Dow Chemical in Midland and they pay for his master's. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't do that. And if you want... And that's the issue we're running into is we're not sustaining the teaching profession because we're not we're not paying them and we're not giving them any type of incentive to stick around. And it's killing us. It's it's a slow bleed in the education field, and, and we're lucky here in Alpena that it hasn't hit us yet. Um, we're at we're at about 100. percent I think we've got every position filled, teaching position filled when the school year started, um, which is is huge. Yeah. But it's not going to be that way. You know, yeah. at the high school, I think it's like 30% of our staff in the next five years can retire, wow. which is going to be a problem Yeah, if that's what happens. Yeah. My brother teaches, and he was in Kansas, and he went out there because, you know, five years ago when he moved out there, he couldn't find a job in Michigan just because it was a different job climate then. And uh, it's crazy for me to – listen to him and um, 
the story that he had, just how different it is out there. Not, and that's not a knock on APS or even Michigan. It's just a different culture. He lives in an area where it's a lot of Guatemalans. Mm-hmm. They come in. Um, by the time Christmas comes around, he loses half his class because yep. they usually a lot of them get deported or they're back. Um, he's does a lot a large part of his or a good part of his class doesn't know how to speak English very well, and it's just a real culture shock to him when he first moved out there. You know, growing up in LP and a, and having a you know a bias on what he's used to our classroom being to compare to where he ended up teaching now and to his credit he's thriving out there he's had a couple opportunities to come home and or just to michigan and he's chosen to stay out there so um what do you think is the solution to fixing some of that do you think it's paying for the master's degree do you think it's um obviously you necessarily can't recruit if they're not going if you're already going to the job fair you're already trying to recruit them and they're not there do you think that needs to maybe start sooner I'm going to give you a weird answer that I'm sure most people aren't going to be expecting from me. Yeah. If you really want to rebuild the teaching profession, you need to rethink the benefits we give them. Not not just – I'm talking about healthcare. Yeah. What APS used to hang their hat on was we may not be competitive pay-wise with other districts, but we offered really competitive healthcare plans. Not the case anymore. And so pay is something that you're not really going to fix unless the state really tries to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think getting creative with, with other incentives you give to teachers is going to attract them. You know, um, for we all know how important healthcare is, mm-hmm. how expensive healthcare is. Yeah. If you have a creative solution to healthcare and you provide creative benefits to people, that's less money out of their pockets. Mm-hmm. So it may not come in the it may not come in, in, in the shape of a paycheck. But it's going to come in the shape of something that's going to want them to come to your area. Yeah. And, and and that's really my answer to that right now is I don't see the state. You know, Right now, um, here in a couple hours, we could have a shutdown in the state because it can't come up with a budget. And, and, and APS and other districts, too, are struggling because the budget year for the state of Michigan is October 1 to September 30. <laughs> we're five weeks into the school year. You know, so we're functioning on a mythical budget. Um, you know, where we have our school year started August 26th. So we're, we're a month plus into the school year and still don't know what our budget's going to look like. Um, and that's problematic. And mm-hmm. so the state's not really going to help us. Um, so we have to get creative and, and, and how are we going to attract good quality professionals, uh, here? And, and, and what scares me is when the hospital can't keep doctors here, how are we going to keep people here? except for homegrown talent, you know, and there's a few kids that I know that are close to graduating from college that are homegrown talent that we could attract back to Alpena, but that's not going to fill all the issues we're going to have. So how do you fill these by attracting people to Alpena? And so it's not only how APS can help itself, but how does our community make our community attractive to people coming in? Yeah. I know. I don't know if I talked about it on the pod here or not, but, we can now. Um, I started, I joined the <clears throat> Mid-Michigan's Business Development Council. So I'm, as you guys know, they're building its tower here shortly. This is going to be a $70 million project, and it's going to give some much-needed upgrades to the community that, um, that I think we need. I think that's one of the things that you talked about is to be able to have our community 
flourish and continue to grow, you have to have a solid health care. It's not only just an offering benefit packages, but be able to have that care once you have that package too. So um, I'm excited. I'm kind of nervous too, because we have to raise some significant amount of money to help toward that. But at the same time, it is exciting to know that you know, we're going to be impacting the community. So um, mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, let's take a break and then we'll come back and I want to talk about a couple of other things. Yep. Right. Cool. So uh, one of the things I did want to talk to you about was um, back in er, back in May, uh, the bond proposal kind yep. of fizzled a little bit. I was wondering, um, I know I've talked with John a little bit, but I was wondering, just your opinion of that whole thing, how you felt, what did it feel? I mean, I, Brian and I have talked about it on this pod, and we're still angry about it. Uh, we're just mm-hmm. not angry. Maybe angry is not the word, but we still um, demoralized, is, I guess, mm-hmm. the feeling we felt. Um, especially once, not that there's anything wrong with the library, but then once the library breezed right through, we were kind of rolling our eyes here for a little bit. Um, right. Well, you know, the the library was, was in the youth and rack and, and those type things are, 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 are easily passed because they're not new. You know, the, the, the millage for the schools was a new tax. It was something that was going to be uh, brand new. Um, and I guess, you know, when we went to a staff meeting with John, you know, he broke down the percentages of, of the voting numbers. You know, we had access to not necessarily who voted what, but the percentage of voters that voted. And, and, and the precincts that voted, my majority voted for the proposal. We're all within the city limits of Alpena. None of the county precincts voted in favor of the bond. So that was a little bit of an eye raiser. Um, the bigger one that came in was that our parents of school age kids voted in like the 30% range. So you're looking at very small number of parents who have school age kids who are most impacted by our, by this proposal um, voted. APS staff members' vote turnout was in the 30s or 40%. So you had a low turnout of those who are most impacted by the impact. And the majority of people that voted are are people 65 years or older who have fixed incomes based on retirement who in large numbers voted no. And so that was surprising. We knew that that number was going to be high. We knew that the majority of people that were going to vote no were going to be those who have no kids in school, have no immediate stake at it, and would see their taxes raised for no uh, residual effect. But so we knew that in order for this to pass, our staff and our school-age parents had to vote, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was, I guess, a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Um, and we we figured that that was going to be the case, that they would be the ones that would make or break this election. And, and they just didn't vote. And, and, and it is what it is, and that's American, that's the democracy part of our, of our country, and, and people have that opportunity. And, um, you know, now we take a step back and we try to look at what, what was the problem, what went wrong, and how do we fix it? And, and, and maybe how do we come back with a more competitive um, proposal? Mm-hmm. Uh, the downside is, is that unfortunately, you know, we've got some some structural issues within our our APS schools that are on the fringe of having a massive a massive issue. Um, Ella White's to the point if that boiler goes, they cannot repair it anymore. You know, you, you just you can't. And if it goes, then what do we do? 
And, and that's the, that's the concern we have is now that this failed, what's the contingency plan? You know, we talked earlier about the budget. There is no money for, for this. Um, it's a concern, you know, and every day I walk through it, I walk through LPN high school, they have 85 exterior doors. You know, I think of security. I think of, of how do we keep our kids safe? How do we, um, I can't tell you how many times already this year in week five that I've had to stop people in the hallways that don't have guest pass and, and can I help you? Where are we going? Mm-hmm. Um, we had, a, we had a situation where both my security guards had to stop a parent in our building without a pass and it was the superintendent's wife. <laughs> and so we were kind of joking about that, but, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it was, it was, it's just a concern of you have 85 exterior doors, many of which of those doors don't always latch, don't always stay shut. Kids are opening and closing doors all the time. Last year we had a, a delivery truck stop outside the commons because it couldn't find where it was supposed to go. And a student let the driver in the building. And so those are types of things that are major concerns when I walk through the high school, not to man, not to, not to even put into effect the fact that we have structural problems. We have other issues within our building, um, electrical problems within our building. Um, and that's case, that's the case at a lot of other places. And, and that's a concern. And, but we also understand that there is a history in Alpena of budgeting in the schools that goes way, way, way back. You know, it goes all the way back to, to Black Tuesday where they had the vote. Right. And if it didn't pass, school literally had not enough money to open on Wednesday. And, and, and we didn't know what happened even. And, and correct. Yeah. And, and the community reluctantly had to support that. Mm-hmm. But there's been a, a, a system of, of issues between that people feel, whether it's true or not, that the school system has managed its money well. A long time ago before anybody in administration was even close to being an Alpena. But here we are, and we have to figure out a way to fix the problems from the past. You know, just a few years ago, we were a, a deficit school district. Um, we've just now started to move into having um, enough money in the fund fund balance to, to be fiscally safe in the eyes of the state of Michigan. And, and, and the problem is, is that um, we're lucky to be there. But if we have major structural issues as a result of our facilities, that can erase that within our view. Yeah. And that's a concern that we all have is we're one calamity away from a major problem and, and we need help. But how do we go about it best to convince the community that this is what we need um, without making it look like we're trying to build bells and whistles that versus what we need? One of the things I always found that just I couldn't wrap my head around was I know a big portion of that bond was safety for the school, as you just talked mm-hmm. about. And it frustrated me, the amount of people I heard that were like, well, we don't have a problem here, or that's not an Alpena issue. I don't understand why we are even worrying about some of like that here, where it's always easy to then have something unfortunate happen and then go, well, why didn't we ever updated why didn't and these are the, these are the opportunities where we can um, make it safe not only for you and your staff but the kids more importantly too and I just still just boggles my mind that um, it just didn't seem a priority to people mm-hmm. and what the environment's changed a lot over the past 30 years just from when I was in high school to probably the way it is now what do you think some of the I mean obviously there's, you know, the, the landscape's changed, but there's got to be some other things that 
um, I'm probably just blissfully ignorant to that are much different than was when I was in school. And I know that you're working on a lot of those, like um, that part of that communication that you're trying to facilitate between students uh, with staff. Um, I think it's, it's, I get frustrated by the whole thing um, when I just, I mean, I, I, my last kid goes to, you know, he's a senior right now. And it's just weird for me to um, think about what it could be for just future generations. And um, I, all my kids' friends, all our friends' kids go to Elway. So the idea that, you know, that school could um, just have like the, the weather break down and then what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to a couple people, um, who, who said, you know, um, I was, uh, I was frustrated because my, my parents voted no on the bond and, and they said, you know, we, they don't need it. And, and their response was, but your grandkids go there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a disconnect, I think, between a large percentage of our population and what is needed. Yeah. You know, you have a large percentage of our population that were here when the issues were, were going on. Yeah. And that's what they think. And, and, and my answer to a couple of them, uh, uh, to a couple people that talked to me about it, and I said to them, I said, I'm not denying that there may or may not have been some issues in the past. I wasn't here. You were. I, I mean, to that person, yeah. they were here. I wasn't. But we. But why penalize our kids now for mistakes of adults 15 years ago? And and that's where we need to start looking at our, ourselves as a community. Is is what do we value within our community? And and, and I think. If you'd have switched the jail and the schools, I think the schools passes and the jails doesn't. Mm-hmm. If you have the school bond first, and then we just came at a really bad time where the the county, the the the, the community felt they'd given and they'd given and they'd given, and they just drew the line in the sand and they said, "We're just not going to do this." So I guess my thought in this was is that how did you educate? Or what are some of your ideas you think that you could, we could better educate the community on the environment that's changed and for the, the things that you need? I mean, like, a boiler seems simple, mm-hmm. you know, but I think for so much of the community, some of the other things, I just don't think they comprehend why we need them, as, you know, for as much as, for as much as the cost, maybe, for the lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was trying to figure out how to make them understand that school safety is a, is a big, big issue. And it's, it is frustrating. I think that grandma and grandpa, um, you know, cause I, I agree it, this community is so small that when you, when you know that the plus 60 isn't voting, you know that they have relations and ties to the school. It's this community is so small and close knit that um, they have to know somebody that goes to the school. So in many ways, I understand that, you know, as a, and I'm physically conservative, so you already know how I feel about it. But at the same time, to be able to check knowing that box is it's making a statement, like you said, it's drawing the line in the sand. So um, I've just been trying to figure out different ways because I know you guys must have something prepared down the road to try it again. Mm-hmm. So I've just been trying to figure out a way to better communicate to our community why it is important and. I guess I just haven't come up with any good ideas. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few that we've talked about internally as far as what went well, what didn't go well, mm-hmm. go well with this proposal. Um, and there's a few areas that I think um, that we've like we've we've identified as as what things we did incorrectly. 
Um, and it's something as simple as, as wording, mm -hmm. you know, it's something simple as what you call something. Um, you know, you had people questioning why we had this much amount of money in there for, for new office furniture. It's like, well, because you're building a new office <laughs> and that's, you know, you're not, and it's just something that's small, that semantic that people latch onto, you know, people latch onto the smallest things. Mm -hmm. I've heard comments of that. They didn't need a new Ellen White. And how do you explain to somebody that the cost that you're making an investment, a long-term investment in a building. And when that long-term investment is more fiscally responsible to build a new one, yes, it may be more money up front, but why, you know, eventually, you know, you just can't keep throwing money um, into a fire. Yeah. You know, you have to do something. And, and, and that was a frustrating part was, they said, well, why do we need a new building? Well, because it's not fiscally responsible to throw money at the current building that doesn't have the infrastructure to sustain it. Yeah. I know it's a really poor analogy, but I see that with cars all the time. There reaches a point in the car ownership cycle where it is no longer prudent to keep owning this car. You are just literally Correct. dumping money right down the toilet. And, and at some point you just need to go get it, get a new vehicle. It's what you have to do. And I think that's great. I mean, it's like I said, it's kind of a poor analogy, but at least it does give you some type of um, idea of probably what needs to be done. Well, and the other frustrating argument we saw too was, um, wasn't the city just tapped into the marijuana tax and, and that's a headache within itself because people just don't think that that's an answer. You know, you're looking at, at an amount of money. You know, $1 million of our budget goes towards diesel gas alone. $1 million of our budget is just gas to make the buses drive. And that's what people don't understand is that we are at a huge disadvantage when it comes to funding per state. We get the same money as a district that's five square miles and we are 605 square miles. And, and, and so people don't understand that fund inequity. And then you add in some of the other, um, you know, we're the largest school district in Michigan that has busing. And, and people don't get that. And, and so we struggle with that. And they're saying, well, why don't we just use, get the marijuana money? And it's like, that, that, first off, schools are second to that. It's going to go into the roads first. Mm -hmm. And you're taking a pool of money from the entire state. And giving it out. It's like the lottery. Yeah. People say, well, what happened to the lottery money? Oh, we still get the lottery money, but it's not what you think we're getting. Yeah. The yeah. the amount of that marijuana tax money is so minute. I can't even, I would get so frustrated. I, I know you would see that. I, I, I saw it too. And I just, that's what's frustrating to me is so much of this really comes down to seems like to education mm -hmm. or just educating the person on the issue. And for them to, to, to say a response like that, let you know, know how just how truly off base they are and what, what the real issues are. Like, even if you did get that marijuana money, even if it was a hundred thousand dollars that was going to state or to the Alpena public school system, a hundred thousand dollars is not going to no. make the impact that you were looking for to be. You can't build a new L white with a hundred thousand no. dollars. You can't even fix, you can't even repair that boiler for that. You're looking at an $800,000 project. Once you get the new boiler, the new system, and don't forget how important HVAC is because you have to have a whole new HVAC system for the new boiler. It's not simply of, of replace and, and, you know, take out and replace. You've got to replace the entire, the analogy that Dr. Van Wagner uses that, that, that really cracks me up every time he talks about it is that he said the, the boiler now the white looks like if you drove the polar express into the middle of nowhere and built a school around it. <laughs> that's what that boiler looks like. It's that old and they don't make parts for it anymore. 
And, and so you can't just simply put a new one in there. You have to put in a state of the art to the 21st century, 2019 system in there that meets all the specs and, and inspection requirements of 2019. So that's not only a new boiler itself, but it's all the other system in it that, that runs it throughout the building. And, and, and people don't get that. I mean, you're looking at almost a million dollar project at Ella White just for that. Building a new Ella White was something like three million. And so it's like, yeah, it's two million dollars more, but you're not throwing money down the drain. You're, you're building a whole new system that's, that's engineered and, and designed for a new system. It's more fiscally responsible to do that plus parking, plus a more safer commute for students. When, if you've ever been to Ella White, that place is a nightmare at drop off and pick up. Yeah. And that was also going to help it is you're going to have a new parking area. That's going to be more, it's going to be more uh, convenient for parents and, and more safe for students. And so you're looking at a whole big picture and everybody was just fixated on that small little tiny piece of a, of a bigger picture and I think that's where we struggled is we just couldn't do a good enough job of convincing the majority of the public of what the bigger picture was. I can't, I guess it makes sense when you say, once you've told me that the city, people that lived inside the city voted yes. Because if anyone who lives there, and Brad lives right by all the way here, if you've been around here at all in the morning or in the afternoon when that school is chaos, it's, it's pure chaos. So I, it, as a person that sees that, you know, once in a while, in fact, it just it's dumbfounds me to think that people wouldn't get aboard of that. But then I guess if it's rural, it kind of made at least a little more sense to me. So. Right. All right. Well, enough of that. I'm putting it to bed. All right. We are going to pivot. Brad's second top five of the year. The first one's actually in the bin still. We're waiting for our guest. The Empowered Learner Girls are going to come on, and we have a top five <laughs> with them that – we got rescheduled that Brad has just been chomping at the bit. Yes. So excited for it. But so <laughs> um, in the meantime, though, this one, we will take a break and we'll come back with it. All right. It's been hard getting a chance to work out when everything closes so early, and I don't get done working until late at night. Where can I even go to stay in shape? Zen 24-Hour Fitness Center is the place you seek. Whoa, where's that at? It's located at US 23 South in Alpena, across from Kiff Miller's Produce in the Lutz Plaza. Wow, thanks, God. Anytime, bro. Zen 24-Hour Fitness Center. For more information, find us on Facebook or call 884-4397. Zen, find peace in your busy life and get a workout when you want it. All right, we're back. All right. Our top five this week. Top five albums. We're struggling. <laughs> I offered to Brad. So Brad, we could do top ten if we need be. And Brad's instant response: fastest text I've ever got back from Brad. No, we're going to do five. And then, as I, this was before Brad went away on vacation. Then Brad came back on vacation today, and we were texting. And Brad said, "Maybe that top ten was a good idea after all." So, um. Why don't you, Brad, start, and I'm sure you have some honorable mentions. I have quite a few. I'm trying to stick to your rules. So you don't have to necessarily stick to my rule, but I felt like, and this is, and I'll tell the listeners, so I was going to put a limitation on Brad, not Tom, was that it couldn't be a Greatest Hits album or a live album, 
because a live album is like a great since a lot of times it's they're taking a whole bunch of stuff and i wanted you i didn't want you to cherry pick i wanted you to commit to an album because sometimes i think it's a tough decision Mm-hmm. And I know, for example, let's say I can think of two artists off the top of my head that I know you love: Brad Truck, Call Quest, and Boys and Men. You could fill a top five just in either of those. Well, I could have done top five and nothing but tribe. Yes, but I know that you want to at least diversify yourself a little bit. So then that makes you have to choose one of those albums. And I, I, I and I think it's it's worth trying to think about your thought process and everything like that. So why don't you give me your honorable mentions first? Well, some honorable mentions is The Score by the Fugees, Illmatic by Nas, Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G. It's not my honorable mention. Blueprint by Jay-Z. The Boomerang soundtrack. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, that's yeah, a good one. I'm not mad. I, I mean, I'm in. Songs You Know By Heart by Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Which is the greatest hits album. It is. But I mean, I, I'm all right with it still. Baby Face Unplugged. Really amazing. Baby Face. So that Stevie Wonder, Baby Face, Gone Too Soon, is by far like, I love that song on that album. Yes. And the one that would be high on my list, but sticking to your rules. The remix collection by Boys to Men. Yeah. God, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that said, my number five is Words by Tony Rich. Nice. Solid pick. I can only name two songs really off Tony Rich. Or Down yeah. and then Nobody Knows. Those are the two main ones I know. Just Album just flows. And you're... That is a good album. I don't mind listening to that album when I have lots of uh, just something to do, especially paperwork. So it is a very good background. All right, Tom. All right. So mine's a little weird. So so my number five, and there's a story behind why number five is number five. I love it. So number five is the Wayne's World soundtrack. Nice. Okay. And the reason why is it made me fall in love with Queen. Oh, yeah. You know, which we've all, you know, with, with the new movie that came out and, and everything with that, Bohemian Rhapsody, number one song on Wayne's World soundtrack. So, um, and it was actually the first CD I ever owned was the Wayne's World soundtrack. So I had to do that number five. Uh, if I had to pick a non-soundtrack movie for number five, it would be Sheer Heart Attack by Queen. Nice. Uh, solid, solid. You know, obviously their third release ever as Queen, but a solid one. Um, then I went with, to my old school, middle school roots with Drunge. You know, went through that phase in the mid-90s. Uh, the Offspring Smash came out in 94. Is that your number four? That's my number four. Okay, so we'll hold you there. So we, do, we each go with our own oh, five. Okay, so, so five yeah. is Wayne's World. All right, so All right I like it. Five. No, that's okay. That's still good stuff. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> So I, I gotta, I gotta work backwards on my honorable mentions. So like Taylor Swift, nineteen eighty nine, really good album. I think I've never listened. To it. Yes, you have. You just don't know it. You've listened to it a lot. It's on the radio all the time. I don't listen to the radio. So. Kenny Chesney's "When the Sun Goes Down." It's a really good album. Also, dual kind with you. All eyes on me and ready to die. So I threw Tupac and Biggie both in there at the same time. And I know those aren't albums that matched up, but it's my top 
It's my honorable mentions. I can do whatever Jeez. I want. That's right. And then one, two, three. Four. I have to leave somebody out, and I don't know who to leave out. It's my top. All right, I'm gonna do it. Man, that feels really weird, but I don't care. So it's gonna be Pearl Jam ten. Oh, it's another honorable mention. So that means I booted them out. So that means whatever. So okay, my number five then. The Marshall Mathers LP. Oh, them. there you go. There you go. It's fine. I'm feel good about that. Say what? That was the second album. Yeah, his second album. That um I think I still like them better. Well, I mean that, so like that had, you know, um The Real Simpsons, please stand up. That was yep. probably the most popular song of that one. But that whole album from beginning to end, I could listen to. And that was a really important qualifier for me in this whole thing is I had to like almost every song of the album. And I could listen. When I put, if I were to ever be listening to that album, I wouldn't hit skip too much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's an important thing. Yeah. And I, I know you know it is. Yeah. Yep. All right. Number four. Number four is Babble by Mumford and Sons. Yes. Okay. You do a lot of work to that, don't you? I bet you do. I used to. Yes. When I listen to music at work, yeah, all <laughs> the podcasts, but the remake of the Boxer, it's just on that album, it's just unbelievable. And turn me on to Mumford and Sons. It's a solid one. All right, number I already, four. I didn't kind of spoil it, but the Offspring will smash. You know, ninety four. Keep them separated and self esteem, and uh, it's a good. Typical mid '90s grunge rock type sound, and, and I've got a couple of those on my list. But that's that was one that always struck with me was being kind of the soundtrack of, of my late middle school, early high school years. All right, I screwed up. So I I, <laughs> I already screwed up. So I forgot. Um, honorable mention of that in because I couldn't count right. Jay Z's Black Album. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean. Alice and I, before I came on here, I told her she started going. She wanted to guess him. And then, so her being awesome as she is, she was like a reasonable doubt by Jay-Z, which made me really proud of her that she would even think to think that it would be on there. But I was like, well, no, if I have to choose, it's either in my, you know, it's either the Lifetimes of Sean Carter. I mean, they're all good. But I went with the Black Album, probably because of that documentary. So, and then I also need to put another one in there because I still have five in my top five and I'm on number four. So I'm going to boot out a Tribe album and it hurts and it's Midnight Marauders and I'm not happy about it at all. So I had to move Midnight Marauders down to the honorable mention. And I'm actually feel sick to my stomach that I had to do that. So number four, to answer your question for me, wait, one, two, yes, Dave Matthews Band's Crash. So this went with the whole, it can't be a greatest hits and it can't be a live. If it was live, you asked me, it'd be Red Rocks, uh, the 2007 one, I think it is. So I know you don't care about Dave, but just know that if I had to choose, it would be that one live. Um, it wouldn't be the best of what's around their group or the greatest hits album, but it's going to be Crash. I love their studio albums. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel good about that either, but oh, you I know. All right. Number three. Number three is college dropout. <sighs> I got you. Do need it. You already know that is on my list. Well, you should know what my top two. Are. Yeah, I mean, we. I think. We, we, I mean, we're. I mean, 
was, people are gonna find out why we are friends here. Yes. Right? Sure. I mean, <laughs> this happens a lot with our whatever. But um, it was either college dropout or dark. My dark twist of, twist of fantasy. Yes. Um, a little I, surprised here by your music choices, Brad. Kind of, so kind of surprises me a little bit. Martian, you know, little Jay Z. That's interesting that you said that. So let's talk. About, so you don't feel anything toward graduation whatsoever. Graduation? No. I mean, I like graduation. I'd rather do late registration. Graduation was a third. Oh, okay. So it's late registration. I'm talking. Yeah. Yes. I like college dropout. Right? I mean, okay. and I just love right, love late registration. Yeah. College dropout was his first. Well, one. no, yeah, I mean, college dropout is the best version of Kanye, hundred percent. It's before he got. I mean, he was already crazy. I mean, we all know Kanye's crazy, but like, yeah, at least it's. He least, wasn't as crazy. Yeah. All right. I'm glad you added that out of me. I feel better. Number three, Tom. Number three, Chief by Eric Church. Nice. Big Eric Church guy living in the South. Very much a, a Southern bluesy country album. Um, songs like Homeboy, uh, Springsteen, uh, like Jesus does, just a very much a, a, a bluesy. I'm not a big. I love country music, but I'm not a big twangy mm-hmm. country guy. Uh, I'm very much living in the South, living in North Carolina. You know, Eric Church is a North Carolina boy. That that bluesy soul kind of. Um, you know, just a little background of me in college. I worked at a blues and jazz radio station. Nice. So a little bit of a, a blues and, and, and jazz guy. You know, I could have put some Stevie Ray Vaughan on this too yeah. and some guys like that, but just a big fan of that sound. That is cool. Eric Church is going to be the natural one I'm there in two weeks. Oh, lucky you. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think we're going to go to it, but he will be there. So, Well, I'm sure you know, it's Nashville. I'm sure almost every country singer will be in the city at one point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I saw him when we were living in Charlotte before he was the Eric Church. Uh, we saw him in a very small amphitheater. In fact, he, he talks about it at one of his live concerts as being the first place he ever saw a concert at. It was the same amphitheater. It was like we're like three rows back from him, and it's now he's playing stadiums and, mm-hmm. and, and football fields, and, and it's a different vibe. And we saw him a year later open for Toby Keith, and you wouldn't see that now. Yeah, you know, he's kind of blown up a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. So that was number three. That's what it brings up. Garth Brooks was here once. Yeah, back before he was Garth Brooks. I didn't see him because I don't think we were here yet. <laughs> College dropouts number three. So, <clears throat> Allison knew College Dropout was in my top five. So kudos to her. Also, she but she then posed to me because she's smart. Well, is a watch the throne in there because I mean. I do love that Watch the Throne album. That is a solid album that I can listen to the whole way through. So, um, but it's not. That could have been in my album. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Man, All Falls Down. It's such a good song. There's a lot of, yeah. And a, a CD where I could put in, much like a really good movie, I could watch it at any point. I jump into it, and then I would keep listening to it. Step Brothers is that way. So if Step oh, Brothers is on, absolutely. And no matter where it is in that movie, movie, I'm going to stop and I'm going to keep watching it. Same with this album. Like, and in fact, like if I'll jump in the middle of it, like maybe Jesus Walks, then I have to go all the way through and then come back to the beginning of it. So, um, yeah, it's just a really good album. Yep, you got robbed at the Grammys. <laughs> 
All right. Number two. Number two, Midnight Marauders. I mean, I'm a tribe guy. I mean, it's. I only put it because I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't have two up there. Oh, I didn't care. Yeah, and, and I, I love that about. <laughs> I it. wanted to make them both. And when one. you hear my number two, then you're gonna appreciate it. I mean, understand why. But yes, I mean, God, Midnight Marauders is a good album. I really, honestly, we'll talk about it more later. Because when we we'll talk about when we just do number one, and then we can talk debate a little bit. Do you like Tribe Called Quest at all? Never heard of them. <laughs> now I got now I got some homework to do. I, I'm not mad about it. If anything has come from this, like I said, I think we were off air when I said this, but I'm, you guys caught me kind of in, in not in my specialty area yeah. of albums because I'm not an album guy. I'm a Spotify playlist guy. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, but yeah. I mean I could come up with my top albums, but the majority of them are from the '90s because that's when I was an yep. album guy. And I'm just not anymore. And that's where I'm headed right now. So for my number two. It is the oh sorry you I'm sorry you're number two I'm sorry number two, Dookie Green Day back to the nineties grunge yes. man I'm right right I'm chasing you with that that is super good album I mean like God I mean it's right there with Nirvana right Well that's where we're going with yeah one. I mean so I mean that's why I picked like Pearl Jam ten was in that you know that whole point I'm right there with you um, In fact my buddy who I gave him the Matt Machinsky who's Friend of the pod, I gave him the opportunity. Stopped by work today, and he made his top five. I should have brought it with me, but um, he had Black Crows mm-hmm. on there. And I think you're right when you start thinking about at least that time for me in high school. You know, there's three or four albums that jump right out to me, and then of course this one right here, my number two spot, jumps out to me. My childhood, it's Doctor Dre, The Chronic. So like, it has to be in there. Like, has to be. It's an album I can listen to most of the songs and there's some I just yeah, I can do without. I mean I won't you're right. But, but it's your list. Yeah, and there my problem with the chronic is versus these other well, except for my number one and your number one, is that it, it goes back to a time in my life for me. Like I'm a lot younger and that's the beauty of our number one as well. So you might as well tell everybody what you're and I number one and then we'll get times. Slow and through a truck called Quest. It's not even close. No, it's a runaway. So, my so I gotta look up a tribe named Quest. Now. So, like, you like jazz? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are a hip hop Queens based group and they sample jazz. And so they rapped over jazz. And, and it seems kind of weird now, but like back in the 90s, like this was like, wow, this is crazy. So, like, Day Lot Soul, Truck Call Quest, they were just like this whole different vibe. Black Sheep, Jungle Brothers. Yeah. So it's uh and then we for the longest time they broke up and then we have we held this hope that they would get back together and then one of them died, so now it's definitely not gonna happen. Well yeah. they get back together because they released another album. Right. But maybe Michael come back to Boys the Men. Oh god. <laughs> one can only hope. Yeah. All right, number one. My number one in and I didn't know we couldn't do uh uh I did, yeah. I did uh, Nirvana MTV Unplugged. Nice. Super solid yes. pick. Yes. That's actually the last album that it's the last album I bought digitally. Really? On iTunes was yeah. that album because it's just, that's just, uh, that's middle school, high school right there. Yeah. Um, Jesus doesn't want me for as a sunbeam on that, that mm-hmm. particular song on that album. I just love it. Mm-hmm. I just love that. So, so how hard was it to choose between Marauders and the Lone Theory? 
It wasn't very hard. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I really wanted to make them number one together, but... I wouldn't let you. Yeah, it's cheating, so... Yeah. Low End Theory is probably my favorite album ever, so... 100%. Low End Theory is one of the few albums where I can go through it on almost every word, almost every song. And there's a, a song or two in there that I just don't know very well, but majority of the songs I'm going to sing right along with you, so... I mean, Midnight Marauders has my favorite tribe song, but... Which is? Alexa. Electric relaxation. Yeah. It's weird. I always think electric relaxation is part of low end theory, but it's not. I know. It's crazy. Because it, it really has that low end theory feel to it. People are just like, whatever, dudes. Just get on with your radio and show. I love the video. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been five albums of Tribe, but. <laughs> <laughs> What's their worst album? Beat rhymes in life. You think that's a notes one, right? No, that was their fourth one. That's the one with stressed on in it, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is people's travels, low end, midnight, beat rhymes in life, love movement, and then thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. I, don't, from here. I don't really like thank you for service. I love it. But I really do like the love movement. I think, I don't know, maybe, I just, I really haven't listened to the newer one very much, so. Mm-hmm. I am like Tom, where now, unfortunately, playlists, yeah. Pandora and Spotify dictate my yeah. life. Their newer one is a, it's a different, it's really different than their other albums, but. The, the day of albums is kind of, you know, going away, mm-hmm. really, you know. But then with Spotify, you pay a monthly, pay a monthly premium rate, you can get access to anything you want. You know, yeah. Uh, I haven't gone to Spotify yet. When, so, what do you listen to when you run? Tribe Called Quest. Well, I have a shitload of music on iTunes, and I just have shuffle a, them. Yeah, yeah. So I have an old iPod that I just use, and have a running list. There you go. So Blank Space, I'm going back to Taylor Swift just so you know. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's songs I've listened to, but I haven't listened to the whole album. St- a style. But you have to understand, like, three quarters of her freaking album where it was on the number one charts. That's what's so crazy about it. I'm not even a big Taylor Swift fan, but, like, it's the idea that you could have an album that's three quarters of its all number ones. It's obnoxious. You've heard the whole album, you don't even know it. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, she's a popular person. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways. All right. We will wrap it up. We'll have an extended version because we have lots going on this week. So I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a longer one. And I'm going to jump over here. All right. That was a long top five. All right. All right. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, Friday we have Art in the Loft. We each have some pieces up there. I have a picture. You have a couple pictures. I think you should talk about it picture yeah so let's talk about the process really quick so you took a photo i took a photo of the sunrise at sun at starlight beach one day after running because i ran down east bay corridor and came back down starlight i just saw the sun coming up and there's beautiful colors gorgeous shot yes so i mean ran home ran home Got my camera and walked back over there and 
went behind Lee's mini golf and took it's pictures. amazing to me when you tell me that story and I've heard you told it to me like three or four times as a person that's photographed a lot because I live right by here too as well I can get in bed look out my window and see like oh I need to go by the time I get my shoes on it's all over so to me for you to be able to run by it go home grab your camera come back and be able to take the picture that's amazing to me because it's never like that. So it, it just lets me know that you were super duper meant to take that shot. Mm -hmm. I probably was. Because like I said, I can't even, just the other morning it was, you were in DC and the sky was red, red. It was, I've never seen that whole sky light up that way. And it, there was like a low band of clouds that was right on the, the horizon. And it, this, when the sun came up, it just caused this whole area to light up red. And I looked out and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go. And by the time I got into the car and turned the ignition on, it was over. Really? Yeah. It happened that fast. So like, and I was rushing because I knew, like, I know they don't last long. But anyways, so we have light Friday. We do. Saturday morning, I'm going to Oglaw for my nephew's football game. It is also worth to interject that this Saturday um, is the Zante run. So if people are looking to run some more, maybe, <laughs> maybe train for your race. Yeah. Or maybe they had such a good time at Amy's they just and they got covered in pink paint. They want to go and support Zante. They, ha they have that opportunity. And the chili cook-off is Saturday. Downtown. Yes. And there's the donut roll bike ride with performance locker. For soccer. There's a lot going on. There right is. Down. So that's all this weekend. Tom, what are you doing this weekend? Ah, uh, that's a very good question. Don't have much of anything going on this weekend because this weekend you rest up for next weekend, which is homecoming. Yes. So this weekend is get as much done as you can because next week nothing's getting done type of weekend. Makes sense. Probably watch Michigan State get blown out by Ohio State. I think Spartans got a minute. No. no Seventeen and a half point dogs on the road. Not a good environment at night in Columbus. We all know how well that ends for teams. Yeah. So not not too super pumped for that outcome, but we'll see. So tomorrow, what are we doing tomorrow? Guess we have a run meeting. We have a run meeting to go over some stuff for your race. Five thirty. Five thirty. You want to talk about your race setup? No, I'm good right now. All right, and then Wednesday, we have a meeting with Shelley. Cornish. Mm -hmm. Well, podcasting. So. I guess her class is going to do a podcast. Oh, nice. She wants to go over some things with us. So. How simple it really is. Yeah. People need to know that you and I can do it. Anyone can do it. Yes. That I mean, is super. It's not hard. So. No. Um, Thursday, we don't have anything, right? And then Friday, we have light. So, as Brad said, I saw, I mean, Tuesday I'm with Brad Anders race meeting. Wednesday I, we have the podcast meeting. Thursday I'm going to hopefully mow the lawn and it won't rain because every time I want to mow the lawn, it rains. Yeah. And then Friday we have light at Art and Loft. So it's over 120 people got in. Um, or I'm sorry, 120 pieces got accepted. Um, there's numerous people that got in and a whole bunch. When Rick got, Rick has some fantastic shots. Um, Jeff Smith got some great shots. I got a couple in. Um, a lot of first-time artists, which we're super excited about, you being one of them, which I'm super pumped about. I am I am only going because my son plays in Mile Friday. So, I mean, I will be going to Mile, 
but I'm going because I want to be there for you and just have you. I'm just pumped for you. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, Posen won. We're in the plus column now. We're actually a winning football program. Uh, hopefully we'll beat Mayo and then stuff gets dicey after that. Mm-hmm. They go on the they have one more road game, Lemon Nashville, Charlotte and Heston, and then they go Augray and oh, I forgot who it is. Like Palestine or somebody like that. And then we see where it shakes out and hopefully do the playoffs. They're playing really, really good right now. Eight man, right? Yeah. Eight man. They're playing on the way they were supposed to be in the beginning of the year. They got their heads out of their yeah. Took us. It's good. And then Alice has got the mystery date planned for me Saturday that you know about that I don't. Do you think we could skip out on a light and go to the Joker Friday night, maybe? We could probably go after. That's what I'm saying, afterwards. Would you think about it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Like to go see him. As long as it comes here. I don't like it when you do things like that to me. <laughs> I mean, it's not only to me for it to yeah, come. Yeah, only because you're right. I mean, I don't like it because you're right. So, all right. Well, I'd like to thank Todd for coming in. Anytime, guys. I'm going to hold you to that. Anytime. That's awesome. And then um, maybe we can do, now that I know a little more about you, you got some coaching background, you got some hockey and some football yeah. on you, we can definitely do maybe a little sport, more sportsy stuff here. There you go. Because that's where our, our wheelhouse is definitely more sports related. Yes. And as he and I always know, 90s hip hop. There you go. Nothing wrong with 90s hip hop. <laughs> so that's our wheelhouse. There you go. All right. Well, thank you guys for talking in. We're supposed to have Mary and Julian sometime this month. Sometime. Brad needs it because he wants that top five. Over with. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow is. Um, Tomorrow's last day. Yeah, his last game. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming in. Talk to you guys next week. See ya. See ya.